Go ahead and turn to the book of Luke this morning, chapter two. Keep your finger in it. It's going to be in there for a little bit. But when I, when I was in my early 20s, right out of college, one of the things that I did in trying to make my uh, mark in life, if you will, I, I tried my hand at the insurance business, life insurance. Okay, And if you know anything about that kind of a business, you know that um, the, the way you get a foothold, the way you get started is to uh, sell to the people that you know, right? You sell to your family, you sell to your friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The problem was um, that all my friends were young like me, okay? Um, most weren't even married yet. They weren't thinking about future. They weren't thinking about things like death or retirement or having to replace lost income. They were either accumulating college debt or they were buying toys because that's what you did, right, at that age. So the only, the only other thing I had was cold calling. You just say that and you, you, you just, you know, you, you know what that word means, right, and the feeling that comes over you. Talking to strangers that I didn't know. So in both cases, what was I trying to do? I was trying to, first of all, establish a need and then offer to fill that need and then close the sale, right? Are you with me? Um, sadly, this is how a lot of people in the body of Christ, in the church, uh, feel about evangelism. That's how we understand evangelism or sharing our faith. A big part of what the Bible calls being an ambassador for Christ. We're continuing on with our ambassador training this morning, part three. Um, I, I want to share this with you. According to George Barna, if you, if you know George Barna, he's like the Zogby of the Christian world. And uh, he does a lot of polls and a lot of data and information. He says this, that three quarters of us believe that we have a responsibility as Christians to share our faith, okay? But only half have done so in the past 12 months. Why is that? Well, I believe it's because many of us have the same idea of witnessing that I had in the insurance business, right? Trying to sell Jesus to people who don't really think they need him, right? I want to share with you this morning a gentleman by the name of Bill Peel. He's the founding director of the Center for Faith and Work. And he has a great video uh, teamed up with a family physician and author called Walt Lattimore. And the video is called Workplace Grace. Now, this, this applies, uh, is written to the workplace. And I know a lot of people are retired, but it really is... Uh, pertains to any of us in our sphere of influence, whether we go out to work, whether we, you know, are involved with people socially, on teams, whatever it is, it applies. And what I want to do is to show you the first segment of this video. It's, it's, it's got some length to it, but, you know, as I saw this, I said, I just can't say this any better than they're doing it. So I want you to get the benefit of this, and then I want to come back and share some scripture with you. So if you would, Maestro, let's roll tape. 
For those watching or listening online, just follow the YouTube link on the screen or go to YouTube and do a search for Workplace Grace Session 1. And in just a few more seconds, we'll get back to today's message. All right. Well, I hope you found that helpful. Getting involved in the process. Something that we're all called to do. Get involved in that process. Not in cold calling. Not in, like I did as a young believer, uh, you know, again, trying to force the conversation to spiritual things so I could get them to pray a prayer and close the sale, you know. But so, so you see, um, we're, we're, yes, God may in his awesome greatness, he, he may set up a divine appointment. Maybe with someone that we don't know well, maybe someone we just met. Somebody could be ripe. You know, Jesus said the fields are ripe unto harvest, right? And, and there may be an open door. So we don't want to discount that. But the vast majority of the time, our call as believers to evangelism is a call to the process, and as he said, and this was back in 2006 or whatever it is, um, as he said, people are questioning. We live in a time where, there, where so many things are chaotic. People are looking for something solid. They're looking for truth. And, uh, you know, of, of, of any time God has, what was uh, Esther? You know, who knows that God may have put you into the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. So let's commit ourselves to that process. Um, you know, one of the biggest mysteries in the whole Bible, specifically about Jesus, is why is there nothing written about him from the time he was 12 to the time he was 30? You ever wonder about that? What was Jesus doing at that time? Scripture is absolutely silent about it, or is it? Ooh, still got your finger in Luke chapter 2? Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. And it says this, after, after we, we see him at age 12 when he's teaching the Pharisees and that. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let me say that again. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. What was Jesus doing for those 18 years? Jesus was building. Now, we know he was the son of a carpenter, obviously worked in the, in the shop, right? Uh, helping in the family business. We don't know exactly when Joseph died, but when he did, Jesus being the eldest would have had a big part, right? In, in that family business, maybe, maybe heading it up, um, uh, certainly more responsibility in that and for providing for the family as the eldest son. But in those 18 years, Jesus was building more than objects out of wood. He was becoming known in his sphere of influence. Now, according to the verse we read, would you say that Jesus's work ethic what, what do you think it was like? Do you think he was lazy? 
Do you think he did shoddy work? Do you think he was dishonest? Or do you think he did excellent work, took care of his customers? Do you think he was fair and cordial and caring? Right? What was Jesus doing? Scripture says during those 18 years, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This means he became more and more and more well-known as a wise, mature, and godly man who was well-liked. What was Jesus doing all that time? Two very important things. He was building a reputation, and he was cultivating relationships. For 18 long years, Jesus was building a reputation. He was cultivating relationships. Spending 18 years doing uh, that, not only for its own sake, but in preparation for just around three and a half years of ministry. You see the foundation that he was building. You see what he was doing in preparation for, quote unquote, the big stuff, right? But was that any less the big stuff than the other, right? Now, someone might say, Pastor, wasn't Jesus ultimately rejected in his hometown? Don't we read that in Mark, right? Yes, that's true. But think about it for a minute. They knew him in his hometown so well, humanly speaking, that they just couldn't wrap their heads around him suddenly being a prophet or the son of God. Right. Isn't that what they said? His mother and the brothers are here. We've watched this guy grow up. What, what, What do you mean? He's now something different. Right. They knew him so well on one level, they couldn't wrap their heads around that he was. The Messiah, you and I don't have that burden. Can I say that? We're not out there saying that we're anything. But what we are saying is that he is everything, aren't we? So. uh, Number two. Jesus still did the majority of his ministry in Galilee, in the area around his hometown, right? Where his reputation certainly would have preceded him for 18 years. Now, let me ask you this question. What effect do you think a bad reputation would have had on his ministry? If he was lazy, if he was Uh, short with his customers, if he did shoddy work, right, then all of a sudden he starts to to preach the the word of God, right? What What effect do you think that would have had? So, no, there are no guarantees, right, that anyone is going to listen no matter who we are. But again, what what Bill Peel uh, showed, what the research has shown Building positive relationships is and always has been the most effective way to bring Christ to people. And we may be one little step along the way. One little step 
instead of one little stumbling block. Because you know what? That little step might not seem like a whole lot, but that one stumbling block, come on, we all know people, right, that have been turned off to Jesus because of what Christians do. That one little stumbling block is huge compared to that one little step, that one little positive step, right? So, as Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Let's make that our goal to be that positive step for someone else along the way. See, this goes, this goes deeper than what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's not just the type of person we are. We're building something here. Again, involved in that process, we're building little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, as the Bible says in Proverbs, right? Building a reputation of honesty, integrity, caring, genuineness, wisdom, right? Building, as he said, trust. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. That's, uh, you know, if you don't have trust, what do we have? Right? And if we have distrust, so trust, credibility, building relationships, building bridges with people, not just between us and them, but ultimately and hopefully between Jesus and them. Think of it this way. From the very moment that you and I meet somebody, we're planting seeds, aren't we? We are beginning to witness to them. And those first seeds probably will have nothing more than likely, although it does happen, may not have anything to do with religion or Jesus, right? But still, we will be building a foundation for what is hopefully to come later on, and that's huge. How important is the foundation to this building, right? To our homes, to our lives, building a foundation for what hopefully will be a future reception to the message and that conversion, whether it comes through us or someone else. So how do we do that besides overall character? It's really the little things, isn't it? Think, think, of, it, think, think of this. How quickly do you and I form opinions about people? How quickly do we do that? We can size somebody up in, in one meeting, depending upon, right? Depending upon how that interaction goes, it's either a positive or a negative. And if it's a negative, we probably, unless we're going to be have to work with somebody, we will probably steer more clear away from them because of that first negative impression, right? As somebody said, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. It's the little things, a smile and a warm greeting, right? Eye contact, remembering someone's name should you see them again. 
being pleasant, even when we don't feel like it. Right? How, how many of us have done things that we didn't feel like doing because it was for the ultimate best? I don't feel like doing that right now. I don't feel like getting up and getting dressed and getting on that treadmill or whatever it is, right? I don't feel like doing what the boss says, but my goodness, if I don't, it's going to be worse off for me, right? We talked about, um, uh, what was the word? Purpose. Purpose increases patience, right? Purpose helps us to do things that we don't feel like doing. Because, again, in the mindset we're building, we're building something here. I need, I need to do this because I'm building something here. I'm building a reputation. I'm building a bridge. I'm building, cultivating a relationship. And that is more important than this. So the little things, being pleasant. And probably the biggest of them all, finding ways to show that we value someone. Looking for ways to show people that we care. Uh, how, how many times are you in even casual conversations with people and they let you know of things that are troubling them, that they're bothered about, that they're upset about? Uh, maybe, you know, someone's in the hospital. Maybe, you know, it's not just a gripe, but, you know, something serious going on in their lives. What an opportunity to, even in secret, pray for them, right? Or check in on them because we remembered that we heard that from them and now we're going to give them a call back or the next time, you know, that we see them at work or, or, or wherever else that we might contact them and say, hey, how's this situation doing? Wow, somebody cares, okay? Building, line upon line, precept upon precept. Maybe letting them know we're praying. Maybe that's the first step towards the opening this whole box. Hey, just want to let you know I'm praying for you. That's it. You know, how do we have to say, and, you know, start shooting them with our Bible gun. No, just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Nobody turns down prayer. 99.9% of people will never turn down prayer. So if you, you know, if you'd let them know you're doing it behind the scenes, you may even have an opportunity to say, can I, can I just pray with you? You know, just go aside and pray. People will appreciate the fact that we care. Helping with a need, a tangible need. Is there something that someone needs help with on the job, help with uh, on the team, help with whatever? Here's something that, that you know how to do that they don't know how to do. Whatever it is, find a need, help somebody, sow something positive into their lives. Help them out in some way. They care. They value me. They took the time to do something for me. Okay, All a part of the process. The process of evangelism. The process of living the love of Jesus toward someone else. The process of building that credibility. It's 
so that the words that we speak when we may have or someone else may have the opportunity to share the gospel down the road. And it may come to that prayer time. The soil has been cultivated. The seed has been planted, right? All these things help us to do, to be that ambassador to someone that God dearly loves. He is there wanting to, for them to know him, wanting to save them, wanting to give them eternal life. And we get to partner with him in that process. Amen. So sure, there may be times that God opens a big door, you know, quickly. But more often than not, the meat and potatoes of what you and I have been called to as an ambassador, as as a Christian, as a believer, as partnering with God in the gospel is a process. So don't rush it. Don't push it. But commit to being a part of it. Joyfully. Right? That's a, oh, cold calling. I got to lead someone in prayer and I got to answer all these questions. Whoa. Smile. Be nice. Love people. Build over time. That's what God is calling each and every one of us to. Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, that it is you who draws. It's you who calls. It's you who reveals the truth to the human heart. God, you have to save people. We can't do it. But, Lord, you've called us as your church. You've called us as the body of Christ. You've called us as ambassadors to love people, to share your love with them. God, help us to be willing to answer that call, to be a stepping stone for people in their journey towards you. Empower us. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Give us your anointing, Lord, in this process. We can't do it without you. We have to step outside of ourselves, Lord. But you're worth it. They're worth it. Give us your heart. And we thank you. We praise you for it all, Lord. Your most awesome name. Amen.